0: I can't help myself, so I, I talk to my customers about who caught the fish, regardless of whether they've asked the question or not. For me, it's all about information, giving and sharing, and
1: and if you can tell a story, tell the story. This is Fishtales, a seafood podcast. I'm John Sussman. To gain a doctorate in marine science requires discipline, stamina and resilience, Enthusiasm consumes the soul of beginning candidates, but that fizz can easily go flat. Most people who undertake a PhD are motivated by the idea of spending many years researching a particular topic. It is passion that motivates them. Paradoxically, to be successful in the seafood industry Either as a catcher, a processor, a retailer or a cook, similarly requires dedication, commitment and often working in isolation whilst maintaining enthusiasm for what is one of the most difficult of all foods to handle. It is rare to come across anyone who can traverse between all three areas of academia, research and commercial operations in seafood. Andy Tobin, principal of Townsville-based Tobin Fishtails, is indeed a unique talent in the seafood industry.
0: Uh, Andrew Tobin, I'm located in Townsville, in the far north Queensland. My childhood, I was uh, fortunate enough to live on um, the Esplanade just behind Morton Bay. Um, my grandfather and father were keen recreational fishermen. Uh, we were keen sailors, and, and yeah, Morton Bay was my backyard as a kid growing up. So. Yeah, I always had a love of the water when I was on it sailing or in it chasing fish. Um, and yeah, that, that I guess that first introduction to fish and seafood was, was from uh, yeah my father and and uh, my grandfather. And my mum at, at that time, so sort of late 70s, she was fortunate enough to be teaching some kids um, of the families that uh, rent the lighthouse on Lady Elliot at the southern end of the GBR, and we used to go up there on holiday at times. This was well before there was any development of the island, and um, see up there and snorkel our little hearts out and, and enjoy the enjoy the marine environment and the fish, obviously. Uh, so yeah, early on, um, fish fish was always a big part of
1: my life. Fishery scientists assess and monitor fish populations to determine ecological and economic health of the marine environment, as well as to determine what are the most suitable harvest rates of various species. The depth of investigations can be intense and the findings can sometimes end up in a mute report. But when good science prevails, the results are as inspiring as they are valuable, guiding commercial fishers and fisheries managers alike.
0: Initially, when I left school, I I was keen on doing marine science and, and conversations with my mum actually sort of talked swayed me out of it a little bit. I was, I was also interested in more general biology and um, um, genetic engineering and things like that at the time. And I actually went to UQ and did a few years there before I realised that that, that that sort of lab environment of, a, of that work profession wasn't for me. Um, still loving um, fish and Seafood, so I, I applied to to move to Townsville and do some postgrad work in Townsville at James Cook Uni, and uh, so moved up here in the early 90s. And um, within a, a, a few weeks of being here, I was uh, fortunate enough to land some part time work while I was studying, but part time work doing some fisheries observer work, um, and that's that was my my first real raw introduction to, to the commercial fishing sector, um, going out and working with fishermen and, um, you know, observing what they were catching, measuring things, collecting things and, um, yeah, just loved it from the get-go. I initially came up as a master's student um, and uh, fell in with a couple of uh, great supervisors at... Um, That encouraged me to work on some estuarine fish, mostly the black brim in North Queensland, um, Macanthropagus birder. It's not a commercial species. It's not caught in big enough volumes to be a commercial species, but a very important wreck species. At the time, there was very little known about it. So I ended up my PhD project focused on the sort of fisheries management implications of. of, this tropical black brim, so defining the biology um, and, and some of its ecological characteristics. So, yeah, I spent three or four years wandering around estuaries in North Queensland catching and tagging brim and ageing them and um, working out that they are uh, yet another sex-changing animal. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a great project um, and, yeah, it gave me a great introduction into the, into the fisheries science field. Um, yeah and finished that in oh, late ninety seven early ninety eight um, but all that time yeah you know, that four or five years that uh, that I was working on that project, yeah, I was doing bits and pieces on the side, um, you know, part time contract work with the fisheries department and other things just to uh, just to pay my way through that uh, through those years at the uni so yeah it was, it was great
1: years, really good years. Often, marine scientists will find themselves at odds with commercial fishers, many of whom are suspicious of the intentions of the findings of the scientists and what that will result in, fearing that they may mean restrictions in where and when they can catch fish. Being able to take the commercial fishers on the investigative journey is as much an art as it is a science. For Andy, it was not as much moving from gamekeeper to hunter as using his scientific knowledge and exposure to commercial fishing that sparked his interest in being part of the supply chain for premium quality seafood.
0: I found very quickly that uh, working with commercial fishermen, getting them on site, oftentimes as a researcher, if you're in that research space, there's a little bit of reluctancy from the commercial fishermen about the intentions of the researcher, or your intentions as a, as a person, so which is fair enough. There can be a little bit of, particularly back in the day, a bit of caution about what the research will mean um, in the in the in the end. But uh, I did find in early on that, that if I tried to embed myself within their operation as much as I could, um, and become another decky, so to speak, um, you know, after I completed the work that I needed to do, then you know, jump in and. Help skin, bone, fish, pack boxes, whatever. Um, and to help me do that, I thought, well, maybe I'll just get my. At the time, there was an um, um, an assistant um, commercial fisher's license that you needed was the first thing you needed to get when you entered the commercial fishing world. So I applied for that and got my assistant commercial fisher's license. So then I was I was legally able to to help fishermen while I was out with them, and, um, and it was sort of good free labor for them and I learned a hell of a lot um, working with a lot of different fishermen in a lot of different places, chasing a lot of different things and yeah, you get to, to really admire the knowledge and the skills and and um, I've always loved being on the water. So yeah, it was, a, it was a real nice little marriage there for me. Once I'd finished um, my PhD, I was offered a, a three-year contract working with Fisheries Queensland, on a a net fishing project that was looking at defining, understanding defining um, issues around bycatch in in the tropical and subtropical gill net fisheries. This is back in the day when you can imagine there, there was a lot of, there is still occasionally a bit of misinformation around, but you know nets were, were very commonly called walls of death indiscriminate killers and all sorts of things but um, as we know they can be used very selectively and very resol- responsibly but this project was put in place to define those bycatch catch characteristics early on in the in the barrow fishery so I, I worked for three three years on that project um, and then did a, a couple of smaller projects after that so probably Memory five, maybe six years working in the research space, and um, while that was satisfying to a degree, putting you know, defining good information and good knowledge for the better management of fisheries going forward, oftentimes, as we all know, politics gets in the way of good decisions around natural resource management, and that's no fun. I, I, I found that really. Um, yeah, really off putting in many ways, you know, particularly like a three year project. You spend a lot of, of, a lot of taxpayer, a lot of fishermen's funds. Um, you develop relationships with various stakeholders and you get to the end of the game and you go, well, okay, this is what we found and this is the best way forward. And, uh, then politics gets in the way. It's, well, what did we do that for? And, and so, um, at that point, I'd been talking with my wife on and off over the years because she also completed a PhD at James Cook and we were sort of working in the same space. Renee's more social science orientated than than me being more biology, ecology, but um, we'd talked on and off about me going fishing. And uh, in 2002, we bought our first licence and um, in 2003 I was fishing full-time. Yeah, it was very interesting. Um, I'd, I'd learned a lot in the, in the preceding years working with fishermen, so I wasn't a complete greenie, but I went into I, – I like my, I like a lot of, like of small-scale commercial fishermen, I like my own time, so it was a nice way to, to satisfy um, – I almost call it selfish when I describe it to others. You know, you're getting out there and getting away from everything. Um, But, yeah, I had a lot to learn, John. I made a few mistakes, as you do, and, um,
1: yeah, you, you learn quickly, otherwise you sink and drown. In Queensland, commercial fisheries extend throughout tidal waters from river estuaries to the Queensland east coast offshore boundary near the edge of the continental shelf. They operate from the New South Wales border in the southeast of Queensland to the Gulf of Carpentaria, Commercial fishers need to be agile, responsive to seasons, conditions and able to move between species, fishing gear and market demands.
0: So I I adopted the classic, at least for tropical Queensland, the classic diversified operation, um, which meant that for the first half of the year, I I was net fishing for barramundi and crabbing for mud crab. And then in the second half of the year, I'd, I'd change over to line fishing. I'd line fish for Spanish mackerel and reef fish. So I'd me to me target, target things at the times when they were most, uh, when it was most economically viable, and um, yeah, also to, to to spread that effort around a little bit. If, if the barracuda season was poor, hopefully the mud crab would be a bit better. But um, yeah, that works. That, that business structure has worked really well for a long time in North Queensland. Um, unfortunately, with, with management reform ongoing over the years, that sort of diversification in, in businesses is becoming harder and harder. Um, which is a real shame. No, I loved it all. It's, it's, and I think that was, that was part of the trick to it to a degree. I, I, th- I think if I did the same thing every day, like I know and worked beside fishermen that were nothing but crabbers. So they crab every day or every second day. And that's all they did year in, year out. Um, and I know there's fishermen all around the place that do that sort of thing are very focused on what they do. And they, I guess there's rewards to that um, in a way. But I, 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 I really enjoyed the challenge of, of, of being able to diversify and doing different things. Um, that was definitely a driver for me. And still is. I'm not sure if I get restless doing the same thing all the time, but I certainly
1: um, enjoy switching it up. The extended supply chain in the seafood industry can often result in the catches of the best and worst fishermen being mixed. It's not only the commercial rewards which are averaged, but for the proud catcher of premium fish, a loss of identity. For a fisherman, taking charge of your own distribution is fraught with complexity. Taking a catch all the way through to a ready-to-eat meal can be as daunting as it is complex. Cooking good fish and chips requires skill. People think that it's just a matter of putting a piece of fish through a batter and into a fryer, but there's so much more. To deliver a truly great eating experience requires as much discipline and dedication as a doctorate in marine sciences.
0: Early on, I, I sold to one of the major wholesalers in Townsville here and um, I got – this is one of my first tastes of one of the challenges in the, in that wholesale space that your podcast and, and, and um, uh, people who have joined your podcast have explained very well numerous times previously that, that – um, Doing a very good product, you need to be rewarded for it. And if you're not, then that's a problem. And I was fishing in, in a space where I knew my product was better than some, most eventually. Um, and I wanted to be rewarded for it. So initially, I was, I just sold to, to the local wholesalers, um, shopped myself around a little bit if I wasn't happy with the prices. And, um, yeah, tried to make, Tried to make the best money from the best quality fish I could provide. After after six years of fishing full time with 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 my wife Renee, uh, you know, juggling a, a job at uni and two young kids, I I stepped back out of fishing for five years and went back to research uh, from about 2009 to 2013. Somewhere in that window, and um at that point, um. I was I was headhunted to go back and 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 do a couple of projects that were struggling, and it was a good move for us in a way, but it, to it help balance the family demands a bit better. Um, but yeah, in that in that the or two 2013 2014 period, there was there was big change happening in the way that research was done. Um, big changes happening in, in the availability of research funds. And, uh, Renee and I decided we didn't like it. We, we, we were, we were not enjoying that research space yet again. We looked for options of getting out and one of them was to buy a, a little fish and chip shop and, um, see what we could do in that space. And, um, there was a few things that motivated that. We, we, we enjoy the simplicity of, of the presentation of seafood in fish and chips, particularly when it's done well. A lot of people can do it very badly. Um, but during that time when I was fishing full-time, occasionally I'd bump into people that had bought some of my products through one of the wholesale retail outlets that, that I'd sold to. And when you when you get that direct um, interaction with the end user or your consumer – it's really good for your ego, well, to say it simply, it, it, it really is, because that's what a lot of fishermen are out there doing. That they, they, Yes, they love the water. Yes, they love catching things, but they also, oftentimes, that, un- forgotten, that forgotten element that, that they do like to feed people, that they're proud of what they do. Um so, that, there was that. So, in, in working with various fishermen over the years, and this is both for me and for Renee, um, we, we met a lot of fishermen that were keen and and, and hungry for that recognition within the community. Um, and, 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 yeah, we saw that as a bit of a missing link. Um, so, with the fish and chip shop, we thought, and again, by no means the first people to do this. A lot of people do it. But trying to pick up that provenance story and and find really good product from really good fishermen and sell that story, sell the product and sell the story of the fishermen to the consumers. Um, So yeah, we started that and we're almost seven years into that business now and it's turned into a a very successful and um, very
1: strong little business. The seafood business, in all its diversity, can throw up hurdles like no other industry. Resilience, an ability to transform and innovate, and a relentless self-belief are as important a trait as having strong financial backing or a willing partner.
0: Uh, for the, Like anyone that embarks on, a, I guess, a, a really different small business um, journey, yeah, lots of hurdles, lots of stumbling, uh, falling over flat on our face and pick ourselves up again and start again. I guess the, the, the advantage for us was, I guess both coming from science, we had particularly inquisitive minds and, and, and particularly around experimenting, you know, what type of oil to use, what temperatures, um, how best to cook the fish. Um, so in those initial years, we we did a lot of experimentation we did a lot of exploring anytime we travel we go to other fish and chip shops and see what other people do what they use how they how they handle their product and um yeah it was it was i remember i remember i driven down to an hour south to pick up some barra. One day I was coming back early in the morning when we when when I first heard that we'd won one of the the, the first award we won was a, just a small towns or local competition, but it was just such a um, such a lovely thing because it was recognition that we were on the right track because you're always second guessing yourself. Um, and it took quite a few years for it to become a a fully financially rewarding business. As we as we stepped out of research into this space, we both said that you know we want this to be a a successful and strong enough business that it, that it can replicate our our, um, our previous financial stability. You know, we didn't want to take a step back you know, in that space. So yeah, once we got to that point, that was that was very satisfying. It was very satisfying. Grows every year. Um, we did well through COVID and, and we carry a little bit of guilt with that. We know a lot of people that struggle through COVID, but given, but given we were fast food or we are fast food, we were still able to operate and serve. We lost staff and had those challenges around um, that aspect of managing the business. But no, it's, it's yeah, it just keeps getting keeps getting better um it's it's small we'd like to, we have ideas of replicating it but uh yeah we, we're, we're quite content with where we're at at the
1: moment john the opportunity to get fresh quality seafood can be a challenge for those who live in the country particularly in a state as big and broad as queensland selling seafoods in the regions can also be a challenge it's not often that operators in the seafood industry horizontally as well as vertically integrate their businesses for the Tobins, this was much an opportunity spawned by chance as by design, but has resulted in a successful extension of their operations.
0: So this opportunity came up a few years ago. I was I was fishing full time through four or five years ago for a period, um, back on the boat and fishing, and um, while 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 the shop was doing well. There was a period where we were really battling with um, staffing issues, and and uh, this Western retail truck business came up for sale. Jim and Jim and Viv PD some dear old friends, built it over the years. I've known them for t- twenty-five odd years now. Um, many many years ago, when I was fishing by myself either out the reef or up the creek, if I ever bumped into Jim and Viv, then it, uh, uh, um invite me over for dinner and a few home brews and. Um, but they set up this business. It was 13 years old when we bought it almost four years ago now. Um, yeah, and it's just a mobile retail that we do 32 towns in the central west Queensland. Uh, it takes a couple of weeks to get around the track at three and a half thousand kilometers. And yeah, Jim and Viv were ready to get out. They'd done their time, set up a very successful business. And yeah, coming back to the shop challenges that I'll oh, maybe we sell the shop and buy the truck and, and, um, and, you know, just try and manage those dramas around, um, staff a little bit better. Cause the truck is basically a one man show, two man show at best. You don't have any staff to rely on. But, uh, so we bought the truck and nobody bought the shop and it keeps getting better. So now, now we're, now we're juggling all three. Um, so yeah, but the, the truck is, yeah, it, it, it's, Western Queensland, as as anywhere in Australia, but certainly when you get away from the coast, um, yeah, it's a it's a great place to do to do business. Customers are always happy to see you. Yeah, everyone's all smiles. Um, yeah, we we move every day, so it's not it it, it you've got that um, novelty within the business as well. So. Uh, yeah, depending on how the roads clear, I, I hope to head off tomorrow on the, on the next trip, and that'll be an 18-day trip. Um, so you, uh, yeah, we'll see how we go. We'd like to bring one down to Brisbane and one down to Sydney, but we're, we're I don't know if we'll get the staff to get down there at the moment. But um, yeah, I'd I'd love to see what we could do in in one of those bigger um, city centres. And uh, we often get customers from down south telling us that we should move down.
1: Um, but yeah, maybe one day, John, maybe one day. The modern consumer is hungry to know where, when, and how their food comes from. There is a bounty of amazing stories that sit behind the supply of seafood with some of the most fascinating and exciting yarns in the food business to be found in the seafood category. For Andy Tobin the opportunity to tell the story of his catch is as much a part of the job as catching
0: itself. I can't help myself so I I talk to my customers about who caught the fish regardless of whether they've asked the question or not so um, I'll name the product name the fish and name the location um, if I don't know, I let them know, and uh, you know, for me, it's all about information, giving, and sharing. And, and if you can tell a story, tell the story. And I think, um, you know, some of the fishes' products that we deal with, um, probably don't even realize I do that, but that's part of what i think is very important about and we, we and, and what renee thinks as well what she does through the shop i just think it's a very important part of you know providing food for, for people is is we're going to tell you the story behind it whether you like it or not um and i, th- I think in most cases people really appreciate that i guess the the, the biggest love at the moment is is that we're, we're dealing with seafood in the seafood community but then um that that's pumped up even more by dealing with the the end consumer. Really enjoy that. Um, I hate things being lost in the wholesale chain. Uh, there's no fun in that. And um, um, I think going forward, I, I think from my only frustrations or our only frustrations at the moment going forward is is that I think a lot of the niche fisheries, the smaller fisheries around Australia, particularly the tropical, more diversified ones have become over-regulated and we're going to lose access to product and access to the productivity of the systems that we've got here in Australia because of overregulation. And I think that's a real problem and it doesn't, doesn't make me um, feel very good at all, particularly being in the science space and trying to get better things done. Um, it won't mean we'll lose complete access, I don't, don't, that's not a, it's not the end of the end of the road, so to speak, it's, it's but yeah, we're, we're, we've become a little bit too over clever
1: with the way that we're managing things. Whilst there are many stories of despair across the seafood industry, there are also many that are inspiring. The never-ending search by the Tobins to do better and to tell the story of why what they do is good is one such story and confirms that the Australian seafood industry remains one of the most progressive in the world. This is Fishtails, a seafood podcast. A Deep in the Weeds production. I'm John Sussman. Follow us on Instagram at Podcast, or email us at fishtailspodcast at deepintheweeds.com.au Stay tuned for more tales from beneath the surface of the seafood world every Friday on your podcast app.